This week I had the opportunity to have my eyes dilated out of my head um, as part of an exam for cataracts. And those of you who have dealt with that know uh, what that's like. Little by little by little, your vision gets worse. You sometimes might see me doing a little dance at the altar trying to, sometimes the book looks like there's lines through all of the words. Uh, but one of the things that you will also notice if you've had that issue is that when you're driving at night, which I do a lot of, there's halos around the headlights and kind of looks like you've had about 10 too many, which I haven't, um, <clears throat> but it does certainly make a difference uh, vision-wise. And I got thinking about this cataract business this week as I was looking forward to preaching. And it seems to me that one of the things that all of us suffer from at time to is, is what I like to call spiritual cataracts. So little by little by little, the world, our culture, kind of changes the way we see things. So we no longer have a kind of clarity. We no longer see a vividness about life. And things get kind of gray and kind of mediocre. And it's kind of how darkness kind of enters our lives. We live in a world that there's a lot of darkness right now. And it enters into our hearts. It enters into our lives. enters into our our families, our way of looking at church, looking at the world, looking at our country. And uh, pretty soon we're kind of all in the gloom, huh? We're trying to figure out how we're going to get out of this. And in the first reading from Isaiah, which we heard at Christmas time, and was also referred to in the gospel that Deacon Paul just proclaimed, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light is shone. So the question is, is that really true? Or do we as Christians look just like everybody else, just as crabby, just as dark, just as gloomy, just as depressed? And so the scriptures today, I think, give us some, some great uh, things to reflect upon or some, some, some pointers, I think, in our own lives. And as we look at this, how this comes across in Corinthians, Paul talks about that darkness uh, in terms of division. And he said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. And so, as we've said over and over again, that, that division is really evil. And, you know, we as Catholics a lot of times forget that, that the word Catholic means universal. It doesn't mean that we're all one political party or we all uh, believe exactly the same things. But there should be no division here. So this should be the one place that we can say to somebody, well, Norma, you and I are never going to agree on this, but we're still friends. We still talk. But that's getting more difficult to do, isn't it? That's part of the cataracts that are happening in our souls and our spirituality. And so we've got this division in our lives that comes from kind of confusion and pain and, and loss. And we, we don't really know how to deal with it. And really what's at the root of a lot of it is division. The Holy Father said recently that, that division is not Catholic. It's interesting, I think, that one of the reasons that there are some in the church who are really suspicious of Pope Francis is because if you pay a lot of attention, even scant attention, to his preaching, he really talks about the fundamentals. He doesn't talk about us as Catholics being the only ones. His emphasis is on baptism. And that we as baptized Christians, we should be identified and so there's some who think, oh, well, you know, we're number one and we need to make sure everybody knows that we're number one and everybody else is number two. He doesn't, he doesn't emphasize that. 
because he's about this idea about us coming to understand that there's unity, huh? That there's unity. And so then that brings us to our, uh, our gospel today, which a lot of times people will preach about the call of the disciples. And, and, uh, but instead, I want to emphasize this idea about light, huh? And so we hear, and this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and he says, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light upon those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death. Light has arisen. And so how do we do that? How do we combat that? Well, it's by us trying to be people of light. There's a great uh, reading that we use at, at uh, funerals sometimes. It talks about that the, that the righteous will dart about as sparks and stubble. Sparks and stubble. And so our, our call, like the apostles had, but our call is to be light and darkness. So in a sense, that means when you leave a situation, whether it's your family or your workplace or your church or wherever, <coughs> is it better? Did you, did you leave them in a better place? Or is there more darkness? Are they more crabby? Are you just like everybody else that was there? Or did you bring light into that situation? And people might think, well, I don't really have much to shine. You know, I don't really have a lot. You know, you really don't have to worry about that too much because we all have light. We all have light. It's kind of like if you're driving in the dark out in the country and you see a light in a barn. It's amazing that you can see that, huh? It takes the darkness to make the light visible. And so it doesn't take much for us to do that, for us to be light. And you think, well, I don't really, you know, we could sing this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Um, but how do you do that? We really are light to others by being ourselves, by being the people that God has called us to be. That's kind of a, that's kind of a cataract surgery that happens continually in life to kind of scrape away the stuff that makes us dark and gloomy and gray. Uh, but discovering, as long as we're on this side of the sod, uh, we're still trying to figure out how we can be light, and that's by being who God calls us to be. It's not like emulating somebody else. If God wanted you to be somebody else, he would have made you somebody else. But that light comes from who we are, huh? That comes from who we are. And it's the difference between having a pretty gray, depressing, everything's the same, we're wringing our hands and looking at the newspaper and, and, and reading stuff and, and kind of cashing in our chips. But it's trading that for a life that's still vivid and clear. <clears throat> Several years ago when mom and dad moved into the retirement center they were in, I got a call from mom one day and she said, Johnny, I've got to ask them what kind of laundry detergent they're using here. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, well, you know that skirt that I have that has all those bright blue flowers on it? And I said, yeah. And she said, you know, it came back from the laundry and it is really, really bright. So I need to find out what kind of soap they use here. And I thought a minute and I thought, she had cataract surgery about seven days ago. <laughs> so I said, mom, didn't you just have cataract surgery? Long pause. Well, you don't think that's it, do you? <clears throat> and I said, just think, you won't have to buy any new clothes again. Well, I don't know about that, she said. <clears throat> and it didn't slow her down. But slowly, imperceptibly, it can creep in. 
that darkness, that uncertainty, that depression, that lack of clarity. And that happens if we don't kind of have regular exams. Now, when I was growing up and played the organ, that organ in our church starting in sixth grade, I used to do my eye exam with the numbers. I wasn't really paying attention to what Father was preaching about. But I would, I, and so if the numbers up front were blurry, I knew it was time to go to the, to the optometrist. But more important than that for us is we have easily accessible exams. It's called prayer. It's called reading the scriptures. It's called receiving the sacraments, going to reconciliation. Those are the things that kind of give us that corrective that we need. The surgeon that I talked to this week said, you know, you got one big floater in the back of this right eye. He said, and if that that moves, that's going to be your problem. And I said, well, can't you just hit me upside of the head and move it and that'll get it out of the way? He said, well, we call that trauma and it would work, <clears throat> but I would rather not do it. But we have opportunities at our disposal that can help our spirituality. If we just kind of keep bumbling along on our own, um, things get pretty dim. Things get pretty blurry. We don't really know what's going on. A reflection that I read this week had a couple lines that I wanted to share with you about this idea about us shining, huh? It says, we do not earn the opportunity to shine in darkness. Shining's not about achieving a certain level or gaining enough points. We live as light shining in the darkness because that's who we are. Growing into our true selves takes a lifetime. We might begin as a tiny spark of glimmering light and grow into something brighter. Some of us flare up quickly. Others of us burn more slowly and more steadily. But each of us has his own life to live, our own true self to become. Some of us might wish we were more like somebody else, but no amount of work is going to change that. Part of living as light, shining in darkness, is realizing and appreciating who we are. Sometimes it will feel brighter than others, as if the darkness is receding. So in these early days of the new year, I want you to think about this idea about we live as lights shining in darkness. <clears throat> and so where are we going to go when we need that light when we feel dark? And more importantly, where are we going to bring our light into the darkness of others? Christ is ready to give us that eye exam. We just need to be ready.